0: Welcome to Mint, the corner of where crypto meets the creator economy. My name is Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. Before we kick off this episode, I wanted to recognize one of the NFT sponsors that's helping make Mint a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol, allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already, with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Nier, and Solana with more coming soon. To learn more, visit CyberConnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3. This episode welcomes Patrick Rivera, Product Engineer and Growth at Mirror.xyz one of the major homes for Web3 communities. In this episode, we discuss social apps, why Web3 is the perfect home for creators, soulbound tokens, and why someone would ever collect a writing NFT. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Patrick, welcome to Mint. Thank you for being on, my friend. What's going on? Not much. Thanks for having me. Of course, I'm stoked to have you. Thank you for being a part of season five. Uh, Mirror just announced writing NFTs, so we have a lot to talk about in this episode. But I think the best place to start, as I do with everybody, who are you? What does the world need to know about you? But more specifically, how did you get your start into Web three?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, when I graduated college a few years ago, went out to San Francisco was working at Instacart, just a grocery delivery company as an engineer, and that was a lot of fun. First experience working in a startup, high growth, just constantly things were breaking. It was a lot of fun. And then a little over a year in, I realized I wanted to try and challenge myself with something else and ended up getting in touch with a DeFi wallet called Dharma. And didn't really know what DeFi was, didn't really know too much about crypto, other than seeing a few people in college, like in the back of class, like trading on Coinbase and having a lot of fun doing that. And so I just thought it was, yeah, like this speculative asset. And then once I actually went through the interview process, talking to people, I realized that they're very strong, technical people. They came from great backgrounds, great companies. They're really interesting and, and also that there's this whole other side of the crypto industry that wasn't just around speculation it was also around building and rebuilding the financial stack whether it was lending whether it was through exchanging assets or whether it was through like more complex like financial primitives or global mm-hmm. peer-to-peer payments all sorts of stuff and so i thought that was super interesting and that was really the first time i've worked in crypto web3 and it was there for a bit and then realized that although the DeFi stuff was technically very interesting and a lot of it we're still using today with NFTs and creators are using as well. I realized that I was a bit more interested in like the social aspect of like building like consumer social products you're building creator tools. And that's what ended up leading me to mirror a little over a year ago.
0: So that's actually very similar to me as well, by the way. So I was working, I guess, more on the financial side. I was working at a VC for like two and a half years um, and I'm a drummer. You'll see like a little bit, you'll see that the drum set's mirrored, but you'll see like the snare behind me and whatnot. And I've always been like creative and kind of going more into the traditional venture capital world. It was great. It was fun. I learned a lot. I, I The bosses were amazing and I just felt like I was kind of detaching from my creative side. So just like you, I wanted to kind of like, you know, take, take control, like pivot a little bit, focus more on the creative stuff and quit. And lo and behold, Mitt was born almost a year ago. Um, so wild. I'm actually looking at the date right now. That's actually wild. Um, but okay, so are you a creator yourself? Like what sort of creative thing creative things that have you done like growing up?
1: Yeah, so growing up, not too much actually, now that I think about it. For me, I was mostly playing sports. That was a big thing. I wanted to play in the major leagues baseball. Mm-hmm. So spent a lot of time traveling, tournaments all across Florida where I grew up. And then it wasn't until after college, a couple years after graduating where I started writing and there's one specific blogger that really influenced me named Tim Urban. And he writes this really cool blog called wait, but why? And the way he describes it is he focuses on very specific subjects. He's written about AI, he's written about Elon Musk, he's written about religion, politics. And what he likes to do is he uses like very funny like stick figure drawings, like tell stories. And he's just like, the way he writes is just hilarious. And so yeah, that really inspired me. And I was like, okay, why don't I apply that to things I'm learning in my daily life, whether it's through engineering, whether it's in crypto. And so I'd, I really enjoyed writing. And I had a newsletter I would write every couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. that ended up leading me to Mirror. And before I got to Mirrored, you know, the newsletter was just like a few close friends, family, people I'd worked with. But then once I was at Mirrored, I started focusing on writing a lot about creators, Web3, crypto, and just like natural things that I'd wish that I had known three months before. Just things that I didn't know until I spent a lot of time thinking about it, a lot of time experiencing it with like actual like customers and people using certain products and building things. And so once I started writing about those topics, I was able to you know, get more people interested in it and getting more feedback on it. And that felt good, Like knowing that you know, something I was writing was helping someone with their business or as a creator, helping them build a community. And so I started writing a bit more, was active on Twitter. And so those are the two main channels that I, use or I have Got used it. in the past.
0: So for those unfamiliar with mirror, which I find hard because it's one of the most widely used like consumer applications in web three, um, how would you describe it to, to someone who's not in crypto and is not crypto native?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's changed a bit over the past year. And for, for most of the past year, we were this general tool, this toolkit of different web three native tools, anything from there was publishing, there was a crowdfund tool, there was NFT editions, there were revenue splits, there's governance. We had this entire toolkit where if you wanted to start a DAO, or if you wanted to publish a blog post to your community, if you wanted to sell NFTs, you were able to connect your wallet on mirror, create a post, and then also embed like different economic tools that were Web3 native. And really under the hood, they were like smart contracts on Ethereum. And we did that for a bit and it had a ton of great partners and creators that we were working with people like song camp the ethereum film mad reality seed club and a bunch of others and yeah we learned a ton from that experience and we also realized that at the core of what we were doing was this like publishing experience of really writing this blog post and telling your story and what we really wanted to do over the past couple months was really double down on writers and that core publishing foundation because we found ourselves we were doing a lot of different tools but it wasn't necessarily like a very specific use case or a specific customer that we were targeting. It was a bit more general purpose and that allowed us to really experiment, to learn, to get used to shipping things quickly at a high mm-hmm. quality. But then now we wanted to focus all of that energy on a very specific use case. And so recently we've doubled down on well, on the writing use case and building this new version of writing NFTs, which are which we can talk a bit more about later, but yeah, that's that's really the main thing that we're focused on right now. So anyone can connect their wallet, they can write a blog post and then they can sell it as
0: an nft yeah so writing is is universal obviously whether you're a musician or an actor or or a dancer you still likely write right so a lot of a lot of the crowd funds that i've kind of funded so i'm a part of mad realities i'm a part of m club um i'm a part overstim and a bunch of other kind of like organizations that started and were funded and seated on mirror and when you think about it, a lot of these organizations—they otherwise, or a lot of the creators in the organizations, their 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 actual craft is not blogging, like their craft is not writing. Yet, the tool, the 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 primitive is, is used as a way to kind of like form a community, to fundraise, and to kind of do all these really cool things that you guys have kind of empowered creators to do. So, with that being said, who is the ideal creator for Meter Mirror? Excuse me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question. And frankly, right now we're still trying to decide that and we're trying not to be too opinionated about it and and really just build this tool that really at the highest level is anybody that's writing about web3 or they're using web3 tools to build a community and so we've seen anything from musicians like daniel allen we've seen DAOs or these web3 native communities that they launch this token they hang out in discord we've seen people that our researchers, the great technical researchers writing about computer science, heavy topics, we've seen investors. And so from our perspective, it's not necessarily focused on, on say, like an individual writer versus a, a musician or someone with a newsletter. And it's more around, okay, the topic of Web3 writing. And then also we're thinking a lot about, there's so many great projects in Web3, whether they're NFT communities, whether they're like projects building consumer products or protocols. And we also want to be the place where they're able to communicate with their community, build a relationship with them, and do that in a Web3 native way.
0: Yeah. When you when you think about Web3 communities, okay, um, a lot of them start on Mirror. When you want to form a community in, in crypto, what are some of the more like essential things that you need? to actually build a community like what does it entail and it may seem it may seem like pretty of a like okay adam why are you asking me this but but the reason there's a reason because a lot of them end up actually starting on a mirror which is quite interesting
1: definitely yeah, no, it's a really good question and yeah i feel like it's in practice it's not as as obvious as as a question would seem and i would say that there's definitely a few key principles i would say that Yeah, depending on the type of community, the type of DAO that you're starting, I really think that the one main thing is that you want like a core team that's like heavily invested in the project. I think there's a lot of talk about decentralization and community ownership. And sometimes it works just kind of like having this group chat that's just there for the vibes. And you kind of just like emergently come up with a mission or a specific purpose. But I think on average, the ones that are successful, they, they have a very specific core team that feels ownership over the project. And maybe there's official titles, maybe there's not, maybe there's working groups and the leaders of the specific working groups. But regardless of the formal structure around it, it really just needs to be like a few core group members that are really invested in the culture, they're invested in the mission, they're very focused on it. And yeah, they're willing to really put in the work and do the things that other people are not willing to do. So that's like one thing that might seem obvious, but a lot of communities they kind of forget about. So that's one. And then two on the more like tactical side, if you want to be a quote unquote web three native community, there's things like you probably want a token in order to gate a right. discord or a telegram group chat. You probably want some sort of multi-sig where you can hold like high value assets in your treasury. And so say that as a community, you raise a bunch of ETH from the NFT sales. And so you want to hold that in a multi-sig, which is basically just like a shared wallet, which is harder to for, for one person to basically be able to, to remove all the funds from. And so there's things like that 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 are more like on the web side.
0: So how do you think about the difference between when you start a community, think about the difference between needing to start with a social token, a fungible token as the primitive for binding a group of people together under a common theme or using a membership pass, a non-fungible token, as that means to bind a community together under a common theme. How do you think about the difference? Like, Do you have a mental model around that?
1: For sure, for sure. I think that most communities, it's probably better to use an NFT. And I think the reason is they're just simpler. It's just a simpler mental model. Whereas with fungible tokens, there's just a lot more you can do. Well, not necessarily a lot more you can do with them, but i said it just introduces more complexity where now with the fungible token, there's like this liquid price for it if people list it on Uniswap. And so then you can have whales come in and buy up a large supply of them where then now you need to set like a minimum number that people hold and then you have to think about inflation. And so it's just like, now, whenever you have a fungible token, it can end up looking like, yeah, like an actual currency and you gotta think about like the macroeconomics of it. And it just, yeah, that ends up being a lot more complexity than most projects need. And I think that it's easier to simplify it and say, hey, we just have 500 NFTs, no many more g- gonna be sold first drop is going to be 0.03 ETH, 0.05 ETH, whatever. And then once they're all sold, you can only buy them on a secondary market. And then mm-hmm. each NFT maps to one vote in our doubt. And that's just a much simpler mental model as opposed to a fungible token where it now it's like, okay, there's supply, demand, you have a minimum threshold and all, all right. this other stuff, which ends up being a bit more complex. And also the other reason we use an NFT is it comes with a visual representation, which is kind of a cool totem or a cool way to express yourself or express yourself as part of the community.
0: Yeah, one thing that I would like to be seen kind of featured on Mirror are soulbound NFTs and Mm. being able to experiment with that primitive. um, The reason I say that is because on the podcast, I build community on the podcast by giving out free NFTs. Um, And initially I started off giving uh, uh, PO-ops, but then I kind of switched to basically minting on my own site, but doing it in a way where the NFTs are non-transferable. Um, and they, they actually remain in the individual's wallet because the intention of the NFT, the purpose, why people collect is simply because to signify and and symbolize that they were first to listen to the podcast before others who enter in future seasons. Um, and with that, I plan to do cool initiatives and cool activities that I I hope to share more in the future, but I'm kind of like, you know, throwing in the breadcrumbs a little bit, taking it a step at a time. And with Mirror being like that core platform where a lot of communities are born, right? Members find one another, purposes are shared, uh, people align under a common theme. I don't know. I feel like a soulbound NFT could actually be a really cool kind of like imp- implementation. And of course, like you're on the product side, you you see these trends, you guys ideate on what to kind of integrate next. What do you think about soulbound NFTs? Is it, is it just a meme? Do you think it has potential long term? I see it getting backlash. Why would I want anything ever soul bound to me? Um, what are your thoughts around that?
1: Yeah, yeah, it feels like soulbound NFTs are like the hot topic nowadays on crypto Twitter. And yeah, I think TLDR, I think they're they're awesome. I think that people like to get lost in the implementation details, and I think the reality is that yeah, there's still a lot to figure out on the implementation, and so. I'd rather not focus on it because there's tons of ways that you can implement it. But the core idea to me is all about NFT is, yeah, it's going to represent many different things. It can be something like your reputation. It can be something like, hey, I completed this task or, hey, this person thinks highly of me. It can really represent like all sorts of types of relationships. And I think it's, it's going to be a very important primitive. And yeah, I feel like it's best to think through them in terms of examples. And I think like one core thing that, we haven't really seen yet on the internet is something around like peer-to-peer reputation and probably the, the closest examples we have are like LinkedIn recommendations where it's like hey I work with Adam on this project or this company and I thought he was great and so I'm going to write up a, a paragraph or two about him and said so that, that's interesting but it only you can only see that on LinkedIn site and then eventually yeah, maybe people don't go to the LinkedIn site because yeah they don't yeah they don't like hanging out there and yeah, they just don't find it valuable and so it's kind of like trapped within that ecosystem. Or they just it's, don't um, like
0: getting DM'd a bunch uh, by random people saying, let's connect, let's connect, let's connect. Yeah. Um, it's, could could also be, you know.
1: percent. <laughs> they're getting notifications that Tesla just posted or just got mentioned in the right. new or something. Like, right, but, like
0: who gives a shit? <laughs>
1: uh, uh, but so yeah, so that is to say, that that's like the closest that we have and there's other like reputation systems around like likes and followers and stuff like that. But yeah, they, they don't really have... Much information attached to them. They're like, yeah, they're like very fungible. I like to view like likes and follows as fungible. It's like you can, you have an unlimited number of them. And every time I follow somebody on Twitter, it's like the same. It's not like I can say like Adam is one of my favorite creators in like w- at the intersection of Web three and creators or Web three and communities. Mm-hmm. Or I can't attach this this yeah this this data that says that yeah, someone like blockchain Brett or Web three Brett is one of my favorite people in the music NFT space. I can't say things like that when I follow someone, but I think with Soulbound NFTs is that they provide this richer representation of social graphs and repu- yeah, and relationships between mm. people and peer-to-peer reputation. So I think there's tons of stuff. There's stuff like badges. There's stuff like, hey, you worked at this company or you worked on this project. Or, and so I think it just adds many more dimensions to our relationships online. And yeah, I feel like you know, kind of one like, closing thing about that is... Yeah, a lot of people talk about social graphs and how social networks are just like this graph of relationships. Like you follow, say, a few hundred people on Twitter or Instagram. There's a few hundred people that follow you and that creates this graph. And but now, and it's like that what connects those graphs is just like a simple follow or a simple like. But now these NFTs, they basically allow you to attach like all sorts of different types of data and metadata and much more information, which I think will be really interesting. And then now you actually own that data and you can import it. different apps, people can build experiences around it. So yeah, I think it's like really interesting. Okay,
0: so two concepts right now. Um, One, going back to a conversation I had with G-Money that I published today, it's Tuesday, June 7th, uh, where he kind of, he growth hacked and bootstrapped uh, a more Web3 native CRM um and crms are what what do they stand for consumer uh relation or no customer customer, yeah yeah exactly customer relationship (laughs) manager yeah (laughs) essentially a way to manage all your contacts uh, contacts online and he basically built his own web3 crm by using pops and uh kind of rewarding his earliest contributors and his earliest connections in his career as a way to symbolize that we have met like we we can we can solidify this connection and you've been a part of my journey and uh, now with admit one he released this like exclusive a thousand person nft gated community alpha group whatever you want to call it with the floor last time i checked at like at least 10 eth right that was a free mint so one way to kind of build a community and reward your earliest participants which was super interesting another interesting point on top of that is I think it was Michael Blau. He was on, I think, the episode prior to G-Money and kind of talked about one of the most exciting things for him is being able to create custom experiences based off someone connecting their wallet. Um, and that custom experience is kind of like in the air right now because, well, at least the most the most like standout example is basically being able to say when you connect your wallet to, let's say, a Web3 Twitter, it will be able to tell Twitter whether you like something in light mode or in dark mode. And it can customize the entire kind of like experience on that platform for you. Are you thinking about it the same way? Is that what you were kind of referring to?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, that's the thing that I like about these different primitives to web 3 whether it's an NFT, whether it's a fungible token, whether it's a soulbound token, it's like, I really like this analogy. I heard from Chris Dixon on some podcasts, where it's like NFTs are like websites where it's like, it's not like you say, Hey, It's like someone asked me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, like, what do you think about websites? It's like, I don't know. like, there's so much you could do there. They (laughs) talk about specific examples. And so I definitely think that's that's like one specific example where, yeah, you can customize the experience based off of it. You can, I think the one that I've been thinking more about though is around, yeah, peer-to-peer reputation and, and really thinking through like, how can we use that? And what is like the Web3 native version of a like or a follow or retweet what other information would you attach to that and, and how could that be used across different consumer apps and so and in many ways that does feed into customizing the experience maybe it's like mm-hmm. hey if i have given soulbound nfts to these 10 creators then maybe it knows that it can infer that i like this type of content and it customizes the feed and stuff like that but yeah i think that basically just having this new way of, of representing your relationship with other people and things on the internet i think it's just yeah. super interesting
0: what's up guys adam levy here sorry for the quick pause but i wanted to recognize a couple of our nft sponsors who are helping make this episode a reality they are coinvise and mint songs First up, on Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today. Next up, we have Mint who is home to over 1,200 music artists in Web3. Check out the Mint Songs Marketplace to support, collect, and connect with artists creating Web3 communities around their music via NFTs. In June 2022, about next month, Mint Songs will be launching their much-anticipated V2 Marketplace on Ethereum, which aims to make Web3 even more accessible to music artists. Follow along on Twitter at MintSongs or check out MintSongs.com to learn more. Alright, back to the episode. Patrick with mirror being one of the more prominent platforms in like the web three creator economy, how would, if you're open to sharing, like what, what is the thesis at mirror for the creator economy? Like, what does that look like for you guys Uh, on a, on a one-year plan, on a three-year plan on a five-year plan? Like what, what, what's the vision here?
1: Yeah. So if from the very beginning, like our core ethos was was really centered around like web three principles and things like, ownership over your data, mm. things like having a, a global identity system that you control through something like Ethereum, like public, private keys, ENS name, and also with the content that you publish. It's not only walled by, by the mirror team or the mirror servers. It's stored right. in a way that anybody can access. And so at least from like a technical level, like those are the foundational principles and, and how those are implemented is definitely still open to... What we learn from from how people are using the products, but ideally that's like the core foundation. And yeah, and over the next few months, years, really, what we want to do is provide a new business model for writers, focused through writing NFTs, and and over time, like, building new new types of features that are web three native that allow people to not only like use the mere product in order to build their audience, to create content, to share the content, to monetize it through NFTs, but also building an ecosystem of other projects that are integrating with the underlying protocol for minting the NFTs, for building the community, for communicating with the community and building this entire ecosystem of projects that are building on top of that and integrating with that. And, and so that creators aren't just reliant on the Mirror products on Mirror.xyz, but also able to to use other clients and other interfaces within the ecosystem and access the same underlying content, data, community.
0: Got it. So with that kind of comes your, your recent update at Mirror of writing NFTs. Um, And when I came across that, I felt like deep down that was the next step, but to see it publicly uh, was really exciting. And this whole concept of tokenizing media, I feel like is a new wave we're about to enter um, and something that the podcast will be exploring sometime soon as well. And one thing I want to ask you, like why would somebody collect a writing NFT? What is, is is it utility-based? Is it for the sake of collecting art just because you want to collect art? Like what is the what is the mental model around that?
1: Definitely. Definitely. That's a really good question. And so I think at this point, there's many reasons. There's quite a few reasons for people to collect. One that we've seen is just pure patronage. Somebody likes the article that was written and they want to support the writer, or they want to at least show a token of their appreciation. That's one reason. Another reason is because people want to use this as like an identity an identity mechanism where it's like, hey, I'm collecting these 10 essays. These 10 essays are part of my identity. They're things that I refer to often or have really shaped my thinking on a particular topic. And so we definitely wanna to build tools to allow people to kind of curate their profile pages, display them in a way that kind of shows the essays that, that really mean something to them and using collecting is kind of this, this act that is is always on chain. It's always, it's public. People can, can always view it. You can build other apps that can display this type of information. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the two main reasons. One is patronage and then also as a form of identity and kind of signifying and signaling and some of the things that are very interesting to you. And similar to like over the past few months, music NFTs have been very popular right. and, and that's as a way, I think it's very similar to that where it's, it's a form of patronage, it's a form of speculation for people that are selling on secondary markets, but then it's also for, for people that are interested in building an identity around the artists that they're supporting and the artists and the music that they love. And so it's similar with writing as well.
0: You know, as a, as someone who wants to get better at writing, there's a reason why I podcast and there's a reason why I'm also behind the microphone is because I feel like I suck at answering people's questions and I suck at writing. That's why I'm I'm a podcaster, but as a writer, because I know people from mirror listen to the podcast, when should somebody consider minting editions of their posts? Like, is, is should you mint every single blog post? Are there specific situations where you should mint? And you could say that, okay, Adam, just zoom out. Like, think about it as if you're releasing a song or you're creating a piece of art. You could apply the same mental model. But I don't know. I don't want to assume things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, like valid approaches and, and different thinking on it. that for us, like one way that we're thinking about it is, yeah, if you're publishing through Mirror, like minting everything as an NFT makes sense because that kind of creates this this record of yeah, this, is, this content that was published at a certain piece of time and it allows other people to be able to collect it to signal their affinity towards it. And it's kind of like on Twitter, like Twitter doesn't let you opt out of having people favorite your tweets. And it's kind of like part of the game. And like we like to think about it is in certain aspects of, of mirror we think about it as a game in the sense that there's rules there's like a goal there's like this common pattern and it's kind of this balance of things that we allow you to customize like the price and supply but then also like these standard things that aren't necessarily customizable like whether it should be minted as an nft or not and so yeah we're kind of we're still thinking through it internally but yeah one way to look at it is that yeah, maybe everything should be a writing nft allow people to collect it and that's part of the mirror game It's part of the standard format that you're not able to opt out of and Of course, the cool thing about building things as protocols is that if we end up building it some way, another team can end up building an alternative client to it and it still feeds into the same underlying protocol.
0: Yeah. I know one thing you're also big about is like this whole Web3 social movement, which I've seen you tweet about online. Um, Mirror is inherently to an extent a social platform or at least the foundation of something much bigger. And... What are your thoughts around like these crypto primitives being the, I guess, the foundation for the next social graph? Like NFTs sitting in your wallet act as a way to engage and, and form identity with one another who kind of align with those with those assets. I guess my my, my point is, a lot of season five is about Web three social. We're seeing projects like CyberConnect, Lens Protocol, all these applications like CoinVis kind of appearing. Uh, and empowering creators. And with creators comes the social network. Creators are here because of the social platforms, right? Like platforms were created to empower creators. And in a world that's inherently decentralized, or at least what we hope that we're building towards, I'm curious what this next social graph will kind of look and feel like. My question to you is, why are NFTs the best primitive to form these social graphs? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, one of the main things,
0: there's a
1: few things around them. I think one of the core things is around portability. And what that means practically is an example a lot of people talk about is whenever you build an audience on a social platform today, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you have subscribers, followers, etc. there's a few issues with building it on these closed systems. One is whenever you post content, it doesn't go directly to all of your followers. It, it actually goes through this intermediary, which is Twittered, product, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera, and they basically decide what type of content gets prioritized or deprioritized. And so that's kind of one thing that, that like, yeah, is definitely not necessarily sustainable for many creators or something that a lot of creators want to opt into. So that's one. And then two is, yeah, over time, say that you want to build a direct relationship, whether it's through email, whether it's through building your own site, you can communicate to them, or something that you're, you're paywalling content or token gating it, like Patreon, then yeah it's not easy to export it's not really even possible to export your followers or your social graph. And so they the portability and, and having a direct relationship with your audience is really the core thing. And I think one thing missing right now in web three is being able to message and address a, a someone with a public key. And you know, like right now people kind of find hacks around it where they basically tie an email address to an ethereum address or some other blockchain address and then they send it to the email address but yeah there's there's definitely like, some issues with that in terms of like privacy mm-hmm. and doxing yourself but yeah, i think eventually once there is a way to be able to message any any public address and yeah, of course you're going to need like spam filters and content moderation and stuff like that right. i think that'll be a really interesting way for people to build an audience on one platform and then if they'd like to if, say the take rate of the platform is too high in terms of the fees that they're charging, or if they're deprioritizing their content, then you're able to go and build your own solution or integrate with some other solution.
0: What were some, I guess, unexpected insights that you picked up while building product at Mirror? Things that you learned about Web3 native creators that you otherwise wouldn't have assumed?
1: Mm, Yeah, it's a great question. I would say that yeah. One of the main things would be around how creators, I mean, it seems obvious in hindsight, but that creators really want to focus on creating in the creative act. Mm-hmm. And the more that you can kind of automate and build tooling around the more like running the business aspects. Cause I think that's the real shift with the creator economy is that it's turning like individuals into these institutions, it's right. turning these creators into businesses. And it's like, the next version of small and medium-sized businesses are gonna be creators that have small teams. They're like five, 10 people, your distribution through the internet, you're selling products through Shopify, e-commerce, dropshipping, shipping, et cetera. And yeah, know, like building tools around that. That's like the main thing. And it really like deepened my conviction around that, like working with creators, seeing the the deep level of engagement that many of their audiences and their communities have and how obsessed they are. And so that's one of them is around like building tooling that allows creators to build businesses. And other ones around kind of the viability of building an audience or building a business with a relatively small audience. Like, and people talk about like a thousand true fans. If you have a thousand true fans, Mm -hmm. they pay you a hundred dollars a year. You can make a hundred K or six figures. And then now with NFTs, you really need like only like a hundred true fans because with a lot of these products, with the access that they provide, the exclusivity or the scarcity that they provide, you can build like a pretty meaningful business with say a hundred collectors or 50 collectors just because you cl- collectors. And so mm. I think those, those are two of the main ones of creators are turning into businesses and there's a ton of tooling to build for them. And then also around not needing a massive audience and really building a sustainable business with just a few like core, core collectors or community yeah. members.
0: You know, what's crazy is that you and the other folks at mirror are absolutely behind like championing, um, a lot of the creative and financial freedom for people who otherwise wouldn't have had that because of the tools that you guys have built uh, from the publishing pa- platform to the fundraising mechanics, to splits, to to automating token creation, all these things um, that otherwise would have made it incredibly difficult for someone to monetize their craft uh, online and proof the amount of communities that were born because of Mirror, the amount of lives that were changed. I mean... When Daniel Allen, for example, raised, what, 180K in a matter of like 24 hours with yeah. 24, yeah. 48 hours with 200 Twitter followers, right? Just the virality of being able to kind of come across someone's vision and then being able to co- to contribute to it instantly is is powerful, like really, really powerful. And I don't even need to say that, like proof is in the pudding kind of thing. And I guess my, my question to you, Patrick, is like you have that responsibility, right? Like you guys, Amir, have the responsibility to create these tools to empower these everyday creatives. What does that responsibility really mean in the grand scheme of things? Like, is it? It's one thing to create products; it's another thing to really see people's lives change because of them, right? And I feel like that—that that should be so rewarding.
1: Definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. I think it—it it really means that you have to take things seriously. And one of the things that I love about engineering and building products is that, yeah, there's, there's nowhere to hide. And, and it's like, you can, it's like, going to the gym like, I like to do CrossFit. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's nowhere to hide. It's like, it doesn't matter how you look, it doesn't matter what shape you are, what gender, whatever else about you. It's like, there's no hiding. Once you like go to the workout, you got, you got to do it. And it's the same thing with like building products. It's like, there's nowhere to hide. It's like, either this thing works or it doesn't work. And whenever there's like real money on the line, when there's like real like lives at stake, not, I wouldn't say there's necessarily lives at stake and certainly like financial lives at stake and, and allowing people to raise this money or engage with their community and stuff like that and build the communities that they've been spending so much time on. And it's like, yeah, there's nowhere to hide. If it doesn't work, like people are going to find out and it's going to yeah, dampen your reputation. And so the thing I like about it is like, yeah, kind of that adrenaline rush where every line of code, every pixel in the UI, everything you do, every way you communicate, within the app, all the copy, like it, it makes a difference and mm-hmm. really going that extra mile and, and understanding that, Hey, the stuff that you build, you create, you design, it's going to be used by someone. It's going to be very important. And the way that you make decisions is really going to, you know, it's going to impact someone and it's really a big responsibility, but at least personally, it's exciting and allows me to kind of get some adrenaline and make you want to yeah. stay up a bit longer, wake up a bit earlier, and kind of sacrifice doing other things. And so sure. it's it's
0: definitely worthwhile for sure. One of one of the biggest uh, features that have made creators incredibly successful on Web two platforms is like their their algorithms, like their virality algorithms, specifically TikTok, right? And how they're able to make an, anybody an influencer, essentially, or at least they were able to. Now it's a little bit harder because it's more saturated. But I'm curious from a products product point of view, from your mindset, what does virality look like in Web three? Right? Like how can creators go viral? It's one thing to go viral on Twitter, but I guess it's another thing to kind of like leverage these primitives, like NFTs and social tokens to kind of boost and, and, and create virality. Um, I'm curious, like, what, what does that look like from your point of view?
1: Definitely, Yeah, this is a super interesting question. And yeah, I feel like we see, I think it's really interesting that like, comparing how like web three products get distribution or Web3 creators get distribution versus Web2 products. And for a lot of Web2 products, it's you're using AdWords on Google or you're you're buying Facebook ads or Instagram ads in order to acquire customers or maybe you're going to conferences or whatever. But really in Web3, it's, it's really through Twitter, it's through Telegram, it's through Discord. And a lot of it's really around having like, again, going back to the point around, it doesn't necessarily matter if the quantity or the size of your community, but more so the quality. And one thing about Daniel that Daniel Allen that I really respect is that he took, I think it was like six, seven, eight months of just learning and researching and being part of the community and supporting other artists and really like engaging with these different communities. And also Matthew Chaim from Song Camp, he's another great example of someone who really took the time to understand the community, build deep relationships, and really support others before ever asking for anything. And so by the time that they ended up building something and trying to gain traction with it, they've already built much goodwill within the ecosystem and yeah and i I think that of course there's like viral growth hacks and stuff like that that you can do but i think that over the long term like those types of people will be weeded out and people won't necessarily want to work with them or collaborate with them or support them on future projects and so i think that approach of and having a really solid foundation embedding yourself in the communities getting involved being engaged and genuinely supporting others and working on something you enjoy doing like people can tell like how genuine you are and yeah, really taking it slow and, and using these internet native distribution platforms, whether it's Twitter, whether it's discord, whether it's telegram, like really giving back to the communities. I think that's, that's really the best yeah. approach for the long term.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also like, I think it's like a little bit of a mic drop right there uh, and, and a good place to kind of <laughs> wrap up Patrick before I let you go. Uh, where's a good place to find you? How can we stay connected um, on all the things that you're working on?
1: Yeah. And so my mirror blog is on peer.mirror.xyz and then I'm on Twitter, Patrick X Rivera. And then you can check out any updates on mirror at mirror.xyz.
0: Amazing. And I'll link that stuff in the show notes. My uh, Patrick, thank you so much. I uh, hope to have you again soon.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Congratulations on making it this far into the episode you are a champ and because of that i want to say thank you by giving you a free participation nft you can claim yours today by visiting adamlevyio forward slash nft follow the steps on your screen you'll be good to go also depending on which platform you're listening on be sure to like subscribe comment share favorite etc it really helps grow the platform and our reach online And last but not least, I want to give some love and recognize one of our NFT sponsors who's helping make this episode a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol, allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already with 150,000 users, 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Nier, and Solana, with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3.